The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hey, how's it going, Seattle? I'm Nico Tamari, and welcome to the Como Sports End Zone. This is our second edition of this podcast. It was off last week because I was traveling all over the place with the Mariners. And let's start with that, right? Uh, first of all, what a journey it was. If you think about it, it was three weeks in a row of absolute heroics for that team. You start with the Cal Raleigh, the home run, the one that delivered the end of the drought and certainly was something so special. And it was really just befitting of that team. I think that moment is going to be remembered right up there with Edgar's double. But you know what else will be is the comeback. The comeback. You already know what I'm talking about. I don't have to describe it, but I will just to cover our bases, pun intended here. Down 8-1 in the fifth inning in game two of the wild card to Toronto and coming back for that win. And so... I know that we're calling this the end zone, and we're going to talk about the Hawks in a minute because they had a fantastic weekend. But as this Mariner season ends, and certainly we probably won't revisit unless something uh, we have an interview to bring you or something happens in free agency soon enough, something along those lines, this is our last opportunity to kind of wrap up what we saw in 2022. And it was absolute history. It was phenomenal. And so I think when you have to look back at this, it was history for Seattle. And you already know the numbers, 21 years since the last playoff bid. But I think that also when you check this out and really uh, put it, encapsulate it, and, and, and finally reflect on it, oh my goodness, what a run that was. In June, that team was 10 games below 500. And not only did they rally to end the drought, but they found a way to win that wild card in two games and do their thing. And and listen, we know the Astro series was disappointing, but I think it speaks volumes because every single player I talked to after that marathon 18-inning game said, we're going to be back next year. And what, what else would they say, right? But the fact that they said it just mere minutes after that loss, they know what they have on that team. They know that this is just the beginning. And I have no clue how far into or out of the window the Astros may be. I mean, they're right there. They've been in three of the last five World Series, right? That means clearly the window's still open. They're in the ALCS right now. But the Mariners are the next team up. And on a special story at ComoNews.com right now, I almost liken it to the 1980s to very couple first years of the 1990s NBA. The Boston Celtics were the team in the Eastern Conference. And then it was the Detroit Pistons who unseated them. And then you know who unseated them? Michael Jordan and the Bulls. I'm not saying the Astros and the Mariners are specifically those sort of dynastic teams. I'm just saying the way it generally works is there's a team there and they need to be unseated and then the Mariners hopefully take off from there. And that's what was really special about this. I want to play a couple of the clips of those locker room interviews I was just talking about because it is really interesting. Not that I was expecting them to be downtrodden, things like that. 
And this is not a knock on them. This is a compliment to them. They are already, moments after their 2022 season ended in an excruciating way, two full games in one, one nothing after 18 innings. They never stopped fighting. And that mentality is carried over even into the infancy of their offseason. Take a listen to what some of these guys were saying. This is definitely the best baseball we can play. And definitely the most exciting baseball. Everybody's engaging. And I feel that's it. That's it. They're just the passion that everybody shows whenever we're playing that postseason. That was Julio Rodriguez. Uh, I want to play my full chat with Cal Raleigh. Cal is a guy, I, I love Cal Raleigh's story. And, I, and I've been, you know, a lot of us, in, in the local TV news in Seattle, you, you talk to a lot of press conference uh, participants and uh, whoever's available in the locker room like you just saw from Julio Rodriguez. But, um, you know, you look at it and there's certain guys that you end up connecting with on a team. And I'm not saying Cal Raleigh remembers me. Maybe he does. Hopefully, who knows, right? Um, probably, I guess. But um, what really stands out to me is that Cal Raleigh started the season kind of slow he was essentially the backup to Tom Murphy, who is a guy that I really like and, and think is still a good player. He just had a bad injury this year. And because of that injury to Tom Murphy, Cal Raleigh comes back from AAA after he was sent down in April. It was a brief stay, right? But think about that. He was sent down, and then he comes back with a vengeance. Now, Cal and I were able to catch up in June. Um, when he It was really before he surged, and I kind of asked him about that dynamic how he was sent down and then was called back up, how special that was. And even then, we kind of knew something was cooking there. And then as the season went on, uh, we were joking in the newsroom that the interview I did with him in June was like a the opposite of this more illustrated curse, like this guy really heated up after it. And then he goes on to you know, 27 home runs, have this magical moment. Um, obviously, as we just talked about, to send this team to the postseason. And then he has this incredible... You know, in the, uh, the Luis Castillo game, in game one of the wild card, his home run, I mean, really any run was the difference, but his home run really jump-started this. So I want to play my interview with Cal. Again, you have to remember, this is just minutes after the team lost. Really, really special poise from this team. All right, we're here with Cal Raleigh. And, and Cal, obviously, I know it's tough right now. And it's, it's difficult even to reflect, but can you take a second to look at what this team did accomplish this year and how special it was? Yeah, I mean, ending a 21-year playoff drought is uh, its not something teams do every day. You know, it was the longest drought in all sports, uh, major sports, uh, I don't know, currently. And it was uh, it was crazy. You know, we're not we're not happy right now. We're upset and, you know, it sucks. But, you know, we're uh, we're excited for next year and we'll, we'll be back. And that game went on longer and longer, two full games worth. I mean, just how did – what was going through everybody's head in the dogout at that point? Yeah, I think it was a lot, a lot of a lot of emotions. You know, uh, fans are amazing tonight. I just want to say that. You know, the fact they stayed that long or that loud for 18 innings was incredible, and it speaks volumes to them. And we were uh, it was it was tough. You know, it was, we were battling, and I think we left it all on the field tonight. Is there a, listen? There's nothing guaranteed in baseball, but there is there a mindset with the talent that's here, with what you did this year, that. You will be back next year, and maybe even better next year. Yeah, I mean that's the goal. You know, everything. You know, you never know what the future holds, but you know, I think we got a great core group here, and we got great guys, great staff, uh, great players, and you know, I think now we know what it takes. And you know, um, I think we took a step forward this year. We definitely did. We achieved one of our goals, and you know, next year we're going to be, you know, looking to do the same thing and keep going. Oh, Riley, thank you. Yeah. So I left that interview 
you know, listen, let me go backtrack a, a second. I think you use the term interview. It's not exactly like a 60-minute, <laughs> hour-long feature piece or whatever. Um, but it's an interview. I'm asking questions and everything like that. You know, even if it, that segment is 90 seconds. But I think it's really telling. I think it's from the standpoint that you really look at that mindset. He's like, yeah, of course we're disappointed. But you know what? We also reflect on what we did for this city. We also reflect on how magical that run was. And then you look at that roster, and that's what I want to get into now. Cal emerging. I mean, Julio Rodriguez, who we just heard from, he, he emerged as a big-time hero in this. George Kirby, the rookie, starting with the season on the line, didn't give up a run in seven innings of work. That is incredible. That is incredible. And then there's guys like Cade Marlowe that are, you know, maybe not household names to Mariner fans right now, but they're guys that you're going to know soon. And then you look at the mainstays that are pretty darn impressive. The J.P. Crawfords, the Ty Francis. Eugenio Suarez led the team in home runs this year. This team is built for success. The rotation is World Series caliber. I said that on the air on Como News so many times. It's absolutely true, and it's only going to get better. I mean, Luis Castillo is the rock, the dude, as Scott Service called him. You know, Robbie Ray, okay, yeah, he finished the year on shaky ground. He'll, you look at his career track record, he'll be back. Robbie Ray will be back. There's so much to like about this Mariners team. And so that's why I go back to that NBA analogy. Is it going to work out exactly how it did for the Pistons, the Celtics, the Bulls in that dynamic? Probably not. When is something such an exact parallel of an event in the past? But there's so much to like about this Mariners team going forward. There's so much to like. To me, the most important thing, though, is we can all look at the roster. We can all draw our own opinions. But I think, by and large, you look at it and you say, this is maybe the beginning of the Mariners' window. Julio Rodriguez, 21 years old, locked up for at least seven years, maybe even 17. <laughs> it's just phenomenal. The guys we don't know yet, the guys that are veterans, the Mitch Hanegers of the world that have fought through, you know, the fact that when the season started, a really talented started pitching like Marco Gonzalez was your number three, and then he wasn't even on the playoff roster. That's not a knock on Marco. Marco pitched really well. I mean, look at that last uh, game of the season performance of the regular season. It's just because there was more talent around that emerged like Luis Castillo coming over at the deadline, like a George Kirby, who wasn't even on the opening day roster, right? He was called up in May. You know, Robbie Ray is this guy that, again, was struggled late, but overall was pretty darn good this year. Logan Gilbert, my goodness. The guy, if you want to say the entire season, just because he was there on opening day, from day one to day, you know, 167, if you count the playoffs, yeah, he may have. He was probably your best pitcher top to bottom, at least as far as the starters go. That Los Bomberos bullpen, Andres Munoz, whew, I'm telling you, the roster is built for success. So you can look at that and draw your own conclusion, no doubt about it. But I think that what I think I like the most about this team is they have heart. One of your favorite things, Mariner Magic, Chaos Ball, all of those cool cliche, they're not cliche, they're fun, but you know what I'm saying, those catchphrases, they don't happen if you don't have a team that has the most one-run wins in all of Major League Baseball. It, ju it just doesn't happen. 
And and that's what's really special about these guys. That's what you can take forward. Because there's a lot of teams that have talent. Look at the look at the Angels. That team has Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, and they can't make the playoffs. They can't even have a winning record. So what's the difference? And this isn't a knock on those two guys. They don't have Scott Service's leadership, and they don't have that it factor, that X factor. And what is the Mariners' X factor? You can never count them out. The fact that when you get down to it, when you get into a close game, when they're down by a run in the eighth or ninth inning, and you've got guys in the dugout saying, this is our game, this is our kind of game, which is what Scott Service said about this team when we got to the postseason, that's special. You can't teach that. I don't care what your ERA is, your batting average is. I don't care how many home runs you have. If you don't have that, you don't have anything, at least in October baseball. Mariners have it. And the fact that we got five playoff games for the first time in 21 years is great. But you already saw in that Toronto series what that does for you. It doesn't mean you're going to win every close game. Look no further than the entire ALDS. That's a product of Houston being the team they are. They're pretty darn good. I know we don't like to admit that here in Seattle because of just not liking that team from the Mariner fan standpoint. But that's what happened. You ran into a team that has championship experience. Again, three World Series bids in the last five years. And that's what happened. You ran into that team. But overall, when you talk about the Mariners starting in, I mean, really, let's say it started in 2021, that late push coming down to the last game of the season. That's what happened. Then that team was like, okay, this is what it takes to get to this point. And make the playoff. And then they made that next leap in 2022. They made the postseason. And so what's the next jump? In a perfect world, you know, you go to the ALCS or beyond. It doesn't always work that way. There are no guarantees in baseball. We know that. But I think that it's hard to doubt the trajectory of this team launching forward. And I think that's what you got to take away from this team. They ended the drought. They gave Seattle the first home playoff game all in 21 years. And so finally, the rebuild under Jerry DePoto takes shape. And it was long and an anguishing wait, not just the entire 21 years, but even in the Jerry DePoto rebuild, you can't blame so many fans when they were kind of like, okay, what's happening here? Maybe wondering what's going on. Is this going to work? Well, it did. And there were exclamation, exclamation points rather along the way, the emergence of Julio and there were question marks along the way, like, what's going on with Jared Kelnick? And and that guy is still somebody that, you know, is going to be a work in progress, all the talent in the world, but I think he only gets better, too, down the line. This is a really, really interesting team. And will they win a World Series? I have no clue. I, I Personally, if you, if you make me, like, on the spot say, Nico, no, you got to say yes or no, I'll say yes. But if you're like making me put money on it, I have no idea because you just don't know. Look at the Major League Baseball playoffs this year. Dodgers are out, right? Braves are out. The Yankees survived, but Monday night we'll find out. And dating this podcast a little bit there, but you get what I'm saying here. We're only dating it when it comes to the Yankees and Cleveland Guardians, okay? So when it comes to the Mariners, enjoy this and just wow. Be excited about what's next. What a unique experience. I'll give you my uh, 
you know, just a little quick press story here on just being in that able to talk to these guys the last few weeks. And is isn't just the playoffs. It was certainly especially more down the home stretch. I'm just so taken aback by how no moment is too big. No loss too devastating. Game one, when they lose to Houston, you know, who the first person to talk to us is Robbie Ray. Robbie Ray is the first guy talking to the media answering questions he definitely doesn't want to answer about his one at bat and we all know what happened with Jordan Alvarez but it's Robbie Ray coming out there to talk to everybody first you just don't see that across all pro sports yes there's certain guys that are required to talk Robbie was not one of them you know for example if you go if you watch a Seahawks press conference Geno Smith will talk every game because by rule, the starting quarterback talks. Remember the old Marshawn Lynch? I'm only here so I don't get fined. Like, there's things there like he had to talk. Major League Baseball isn't quite that way. It's the manager and one player. And in that situation, you're talking about Logan Gilbert because he was the starting pitcher. That's it. So it speaks volumes about Robbie that he, again, was one of the first guys out there and, you know, talking about something he probably didn't want to talk about. I'm so impressed with that. So M's fan, and, and so M's fans enjoy that. I know I did a really fun, rewarding thing in my career. It was so crazy because if you know, you know, it wasn't really settled till Tuesday of the last week of the regular season that it was going to be the Mariners at Toronto. And then you go to Toronto, um, an exciting two games there, second champagne shower in a week or eight, nine days, whatever you want to call it, a week and a day. <laughs> And that was amazing. I've ruined two pairs of shoes. The same suit is in the dry cleaners right now. I did not get the memo. I mean, I got the memo. I just forgot about it with the raincoat thing. I have my Como raincoat. I didn't wear it. That's my own fault. <laughs> uh, and then you immediately go from Toronto to Houston. By the way, the temperature in Toronto was in like the 40s, and the Houston was upper 80s and low 90s. So that made it uh, a unique climate difference for our outdoor live reports. You know, in Minute Maid Park, they have the same option as we do at T-Mobile and in the Rogers Center in Toronto to um, close the roof for climate control. Um, and they did for the games, but it was more for the shadows and, and sun spots on the field. The air conditioning didn't do much in that situation. We got that many people in a hot environment. And, um, you know, it was just a constant travel. It was just eight days. First time away from my little guy, my 11-month-old son, and... That was difficult for me. That was really difficult for me. But you're so busy um, trying to deliver the latest information and stories and news that you end up, uh, you know, kind of just powering through and at least being occupied on that front. So great run for the Mariners. We're going to be talking about them a lot next year. Yeah, they're going to They're My last thing I'll say about this, they're at least going to take a next step. ALCS. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. <laughs> Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. They're bust. Maybe beyond. All right, so let's talk Seahawks. Here on the Como Sports End Zone, 
what a win that was over the Cardinals. And I know the Cardinals aren't that vaunted team. They looked like they were going to be not too long ago. Boy, you want to talk about a bit of a fall. My goodness. What happened to that team? <laughs> they're still good, but they're 2-4. and four. They're officially last place in the NFC West. Let's not diminish, however, when I say that, the Seahawks win. This was a win that I, I love from the standpoint that, for starters, you had you've been asking for that Hawks defense to step up, giving up 45 points to the Lions, 39 to the Saints, right? And so that's kind of been the talk the last few weeks. Well, you know, Geno's been great. He was still good in this game. Um, Geno was great, but boy, what about that defense giving up all those points? Well, in this game, the defense did not give up a touchdown in a 19-9 win. The only thing you maybe would like to show up is that maybe they could contain Kyler Murray on the ground a little bit better. He ran for 100 yards, but yeah, come on. Like, you can't get too upset about that when you don't give up an offensive touchdown. The only touchdown in this game came on a fumbled punt in the end zone. That would have been blocked anyway. Like, I mean, the Cardinals did a great job breaking through. Michael Dixon probably should have just fallen instead of, like, kind of shimmying a little bit, but he did. He fumbled touchdown. You know what? The, you clean it up. You won. If it became the deciding play, then you make a thing of it. But... um. I think that ultimately when you look at this, um, it, it's a unique situation where <laughs> this Seahawks team is still here after six games, three and three, figuring themselves out. And we know some parts have been figured out. Geno Smith is playing incredible football. The fact that he went 20 of 31 today and it was like maybe not even like in his top five, maybe number five out of six of his starts, that's pretty crazy, right? But the fact that you've got a team here that, okay, there's certain things that happen, and then, okay, you clean it up. Defense was struggling. Okay, that's cleaned up. And we talked a little while ago about the Mariners and their young players. Can we talk about that Seahawks rookie class? I mean, that's simply incredible. The fact that every single one, just about, I shouldn't say every one, but most of your draft picks on the Hawks have been doing a ton of work. First-round pick, Charles Cross. Starting left tackle, protecting Geno's blindside, and Geno's having a career year, and is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL this season. Who would have thunk it? Second round pick, Boye Mafe, is creating havoc on the edge. The other second round pick, Kenneth Walker III, the running back out of Michigan State, ran for his 97 yards today and scored the touchdown that put it out of reach, and he had several other big runs. He is now the bell cow running back since Rashad Penny is out. If you have him on your fantasy team, good good for you. Oh, I had Penny. And we wish Penny a speedy recovery. That's really tough for a guy who's gone through all those injuries. That's really, really difficult to see. You know, so we'll see what happens with that. But back to our point of this conversation. Third round pick, Abraham Lucas, starting right tackle. Fourth round pick, Kobe Bryant, starting corner. Fifth round pick, Tariq Woolen, has four interceptions that is literally every interception on the Seahawks this year that has tied the rookie mark by some guy. I think his name is Richard Sherman. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, come on, man. Pete Carroll, John Schneider nailed that draft class. They made the most out of the extra picks from the Broncos, and it gets you excited about what they're going to do with those extra picks in 2023. And so I said before the season on a lot of our commentaries on Comonews.com that – you know, this is a team that I think was I thought was going to do better. If you're into the odds making and the betting, five and a half was the over under on the win total for the Seahawks this year. 
take the over. I said that many times. Um, I thought it was going to be a, between a seven and nine win season. They're going to fight for a playoff spot at the end. And I didn't think they'd be there, but I, I'm starting to lean towards, you know, it's hard to say they'll make the playoffs. But look at that NFC West. It is wide open. Wide open. Why not the Hawks? Why not? I mean, if they can just keep this going. In reality, you know, I don't like to say, I had an old football buddy once tell me, a former player in the league, say, you know, you never say you should win. Um, you could have won. There's a difference. And I, and I kind of buy into that. But I think a lot of fans would say the Seahawks should should be 5-1 and one right now. The Atlanta loss slipped through their fingers. The New Orleans loss, they, you know, my goodness, they gave it away with penalties and that, those Taysom Hill plays. Like, come on. Well, they cleaned that up this week, and that's why they won 19-9. But those young players, even beyond this win, those guys are pretty darn special. That's going to be a really scary thing. Seattle sports fans may have looked at last year as like, oh, gosh, that was tough, you know, with the Seahawks going 7-10. and 10. But you've got the Mariners already making the playoffs. And now we're going to see what the Hawks can do? Man, like this is, you know, not to mention our other teams in town here, the Kraken year two, they're only going to get better and things like that. Yeah, this is pretty impressive. So we talked about those rookies a minute ago. I want to play what Pete Carroll said about that rookie class. Now, please, they are. This is what we hope for. And you hope when you draft a guy, you can picture what he's going to do, and you hope that he's going to fit in and and, and you know be a, a factor for us. But I don't know how many it's like six guys or something that are playing, starting, and doing stuff. I don't know how many how many it is, but those guys are they're just coming through. And Moffat played well again on, on his edge, you know, and and uh, so no, it's it's better than we expected. It's what we had hoped for, <clears throat> and so you know you know we're we're just getting started. We're just it's this is just warming them up, you know. So hopefully these guys will continue to to grow and be creative and, and productive and and uh, and keep giving us the thrills. And when we talk about Tariq Woolen specifically, this is what Pete had to say. I love it, and I love that kid. Uh, you know, just like Richard Sherman, former receiver. Like, there's so many parallels to Richard. It, it's bonkers. And and he's a humble guy. I, I've had the chance to talk to him a couple times, and he's just down to earth. So excited to be a part of Seattle sports, obviously, with the Seahawks. And this is what Pete Carroll had to say. Uh, Woolen had the basically game-sealing interception on fourth down when the Cardinals were in their last gas. But here's what Pete had to say. No, 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 the one last week, you know, he comes back on a comeback. This one was a deep ball they tried to throw over the top of him. He had a couple of those earlier in the year uh, and in preseason, too, that he just wasn't as comfortable with. He's comfortable now. He's feeling it. And and so he's capable of of those aren't hard plays for him to make. He's just in the right place, and he's so dynamic as, a, as an athlete. He can get up and get off the, off the ground on the high ball, and, and, you know, you really can't contest him. So, uh, you know, it looks it's pretty exciting. That was Seahawks head coach Pete Carroll. I always love a good Pete Carroll press conference, especially after when, even after a loss, like he's honest with you, he's straightforward. We're pretty lucky with our Seattle coaches. Slightly going to sidetrack here for you. Scott Service tells you how it is. Pete Carroll tells you how it is. I haven't been able to um, be at a ton of actual, like regular scheduled Kraken post-game press conferences because I'm always on the air <laughs> roughly about when they're happening. But Dave Haxtell's pretty straightforward. He's not holding anything back either. Jeez, uh, you know, Brian Schmetzer with the Sounders absolutely is. You don't want a coach that's going to beat around the bush or give you some lines that make for good sound bites on local news and this, that, and the other thing. You want a coach that's going to tell you what's what. 
And we've got those here in Seattle. And, it's, and it starts with Pete Carroll. Starts with Pete Carroll. And, and I would give the other guys just as much credit. But So when he's given that praise to Boye Mafe, Tariq Woolen, Kenneth Walker, all these young rookies, I mean, that speaks volumes. He's not going to go up there just to make him and John Schneider sound better and praise that rookie class. He's just not going to do that. That's not Pete Carroll. And so that gets you optimistic about what this team can do this year. So many people thought Pete Carroll was just saying in a few weeks ago, he's like, the future's bright, and that means this year. Certainly the future's bright because, I mean, listen, I'll admit, I didn't like the Russell trade at first. My feeling on it was that we know that quarterbacks are at an absolute premium in the NFL, so why would you get rid of one when you have it? And that is why I'm not an NFL GM. I know it's only a few games in, but Russell is clearly struggling in Denver. And got to be honest with you, as more and more time went on from that trade, that's kind of the feeling a lot of Seattle sports fans had. The, the guy Russell Wilson was when he was traded was not the guy that Russell Wilson was when the Hawks won the Super Bowl. And certainly the defense he's had since then and in Denver, even if that Denver D is pretty good, it's not Legion of Boom good though. And so the Seahawks got a ton of return with all the draft picks. I don't have to rehash it all for you. And they're turning that in to what they hope is a new era of sustained success. Sustained success. That's what it's about. Success land, lands lasting longer than one season. You know, it's not going to be they missed the playoffs last year. They might miss it again this year. Who knows? It's 3-3. Three and three. It's anybody's ball game. Tied for first with record in the NFC West. But even if they don't make it this year, not that you're mailing that in or anything like that, you feel good about the future. You saw the way they drafted this year. You're seeing guys like Kenneth Walker do what they do. Geno Smith has suddenly emerged and maybe can be a mentor to whoever the next quarterback may be. You're going to add help with two first-round picks next year. And the way the Broncos are going, it's not going to be that far out of the, like, you know, it's going to be pretty close to the top of the first round. Not that we want to be thinking that far ahead just yet. But I think you have to look at this from the standpoint that this future is bright. I absolutely love what this team could do going forward. I'm not, you know, the Chargers next week, that's going to be tough. The Giants after that, suddenly a really difficult game, right? At Arizona, then Tampa Bay and Germany. But tell me any one of those games you would absolutely say the Hawks can't win. Tell me they can't win it. The Chargers are going to be the most difficult one. But I am in no I, I don't think you look at it in the standpoint of like, yeah, can't win that one. Heck no. Heck no. Yeah, the foundation's being laid right now. And, you know, the fact that you can lose a guy like Rashad Penny. And then have the rookie step in and get almost 100 yards in the go-away score. The fact that your defense has gotten torched the last couple weeks, yet they can bounce back with rookies starting basically everywhere. Mafe, Bryant, Woolen. Those guys especially are only going to get better. I love what's ahead for the Seahawks. I really, really love what's ahead for the Seahawks. And I think that it starts with this year. And I think that it's a really a big testament to Pete Carroll and John Schneider. You can throw this in my face in a couple months. Listen, the Seahawks may finish 7-10 and 10 again, right? It's possible. Anything's possible in the league. But the fact that 
you're seeing this much progress this quickly. The fact that they're getting that quarterback play when everybody, myself included, was clamoring that they would draft a quarterback or trade for a quarterback or sign Jimmy Garoppolo or whatever. That's impressive. You got to give credit where it's due. The fact that offensive line was much maligned, Russell Wilson was complaining about it through his agent. You draft two guys and from day one, they're dominant. Dominant, not just good, but dominant. Abe Lucas and Charles Cross. It all starts up front. And you have officially bookended your offensive line for years to come with a local guy from Everett and Washington State and Lucas and Charles Cross with the first round pick, arguably at the time the most valuable asset you got from the Broncos. And she didn't have a first round pick otherwise. It's part of the Jamal Adams trade. Think about that secondary when Adams comes back next year. I know he struggled a bit with the Hawks, especially with injuries, but you've got Quandre Diggs and Jamal Adams locking down the safety spots, Kobe Bryant, Tariq Wollen, and you get other help in different packages. I'm not going to dive too deep into that. Your offensive line is taken care of. Your running back situation, if this was last year, we all saw what happened when Penny wasn't quite healthy and Chris Carson went down. You know, certainly the running game suffered. Now you don't have to worry about that because you got Ken Walker. They may add another guy next year. You know, your receivers are clearly locked out with DK and Tyler Lockett. I mean, there's so much to like about the Seahawks team, and so many never thought you would say that last summer. So, they go to the Chargers game. That becomes pivotal. Even if you lose your 3-4, and four, this is going to be a team, I, like I said, I said before the season, I thought they were going to go between 7 and 9 wins. You're going to get something that's going to be around 500 football. And nobody thought that was going to be even close to contention in the NFC West. But guess what? It might be this year. The Rams, the Seahawks, and the Niners are all 3-3. Three and three. It's anybody's ball game. It's like when you have a tie-scored halftime. Coaches love to say it's 0-0. It's like that right now in the standings. Who's going to finish with the best record over the last 11 games in 12 weeks? Let's find out. This team's growing every week. They're cleaning it up every week. In theory, they should only get better as those rookies get each and every game under their belt. 9-8 and eight Seahawks, NFC West champs, why not them? To the moon, as they say. Thanks for listening to this week's Como Sports End Zone podcast. We'll join you next week. We appreciate your time. Thank you.